Hey everybody, today's episode of Shoppernomics is brought to you by Decision Breakers, experts in behavior-based shopper strategy, insights, and activation. Visit www.decisionbreakers.com to learn more and see how they can help you win the war in store. Welcome to Shoppernomics, the podcast for marketing and insight professionals who want to stay current on the latest understanding of consumer behavior and decision making. My name is Phil McGee, and today I'm speaking with Derek Davis, Assistant Professor of Marketing at the McIntyre School of Commerce at the University of Virginia. Derek recently published a paper in the Journal of Marketing Research titled, How Evaluations of Multiple Percentage Price Changes Are Influenced by Presentation Mode and Percentage Ordering, The Role of Anchoring and Surprise. If you've ever found yourself confronted with a sale where, on top of a 25% discount, you can get an additional 15% off just by using the retailer's credit card, then you'll be interested in hearing today's episode. Because Derek's research shows how we, as consumers, do not always process these stacked sales correctly, at least mathematically, and the way they're presented can have a dramatic effect on how we perceive them. As a marketer, I'm interested because I need to know how to structure these deals to maximize shopper conversion. As a researcher, I'm interested because I need to understand the underlying mechanics to these effects. And as a spouse, I'm interested because my wife's birthday is coming up and I'll need to know how to evaluate the multiple stacking offers I'm sure to encounter when I get to Macy's. We'll get to all these things in a moment, but for now, Derek, welcome to Shoppernomics. Thanks, Phil. It's great to be here. Great. And, uh, and Derek, why don't you start by telling listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure. I uh, grew up in Maine. I started my career as an engineer and then uh, found my way into marketing over time. I have uh, a wife of nine years and two boys aged three and seven months. Ter- wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so are you they keep me busy? Yeah. And are, are you still in the sleep deprived state or are you past that at this point? Just coming out of it, I think. Oh, okay. Very, very good. Well, you know, it all gets better from here, <laughs> as you know. Um, well, well, terrific. Thank you for that. Um, I also understand. Um, I, I'm not sure where I read this, but I think it was in uh, a couple years ago in 2016 where you won. Um, it's a little bit of a mouthful. Um, the American Marketing Association's Retail and Pricing Special Interest Group Emerging Scholar Award. That's right. Congratulations. And, and what did it take uh, to get that honor? So the special interest group identifies young scholars like myself. I'm five years out from my PhD at this point, And, uh, you know, who have published or are showing promise in the area of pricing. So in addition to the paper we're going to talk about today, uh, I have two other papers in the area of pricing. One deals with bundling and how people perceive bundles of different sizes. And then uh, another paper that looks at alliterative pricing, how people uh, or consumers <clears throat> might find a deal that is alliterative, such as two t-shirts for $20 more attractive than a superior but non-alliterative deal, such as two shirts for $19. Interesting. So just the um, the benefit of being able to roll off the tongue uh, has has value to that. That's right. And, and how we process it uh, cognitively is much easier. Mm. Right? So we, we, we anticipate uh, to a certain degree, or there's a certain degree of fit 
uh, when we read or hear uh, those types of of messages, right? Because the the overlap in in the uh, phonology or the the word sound yeah. uh, makes the processing easier. Interesting. So so as with so many other things, um, it, it all goes back to fluency and cognitive ease. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about your paper um, or your most your your current work. And there's a lot to unpack here. Um, we've got cognitive effort and anchoring effects, or the way consumers calculate their stacked discounts. We've got ordering effects, meaning the sequence in which stack discounts are presented. And we've got surprise effects, uh, which influence which part of stacked offers get the most attention. Um, but before we get into all that, I'm, I'm curious, Derek, what motivated you to do this study? I mean, there's a lot of research and literature about consumer promotion strategies. So what did we, what did we not know that you wanted to understand in this area? So actually, this project came out of a conversation with my co-author, Rajesh. And, uh, you know, we were just having a conversation one day and one of us mentioned a stack discount. You know, and have you ever thought about, like you mentioned in the intro, uh, 25% followed by another uh, 15%. And, you know, one of us said, oh, what if it was 15% and then 25%? And we both paused for a second because we didn't know if they were the same. Mm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right? mathematically, they, mathematically, they are, but just in the conversation, they actually felt different. Right. And, uh, and so we just dove into that. And uh, so there, there are a few papers in this area um, that have looked at this before. Specifically, uh, there's a, a study that shows that two discounts are preferred to one discount mm. in general. Right, one okay. equivalent dis discount, uh, and then there was another paper that said essentially, and and we build upon this paper and this research uh, that <clears throat> when people are encountered stack discounts, they simply add the two. Right, and I'm I'm sure yeah. you and your your listeners have have encountered that. Right, people think okay, twenty five percent and fifteen percent is forty percent, uh, but we all know that that's not exactly right because addition is the wrong mathematical operation, right? It's, it's multiplication. Yeah. And uh, so we said, it, I'm sure that a lot of people do add, right? But, you know, Rajesh and I know that addition isn't the correct uh, approach. So what do people like us do? Right? Who know? Okay, we know we can't add, but we're not going to sit down and grab our calculator either. <laughs> we're going to make some some guess or some estimate. And we thought that these estimates would be influenced by the order in which the discounts were presented and how they were presented. And from there, you know, the data just led us down this path. Yeah. You know, it's really amusing about the adding instead of multiplying these percentages, because, you know, I've done that so many times. I've gone to use Macy's again, as an example, I've gone there and there's like four different percentages, which, you know, by the time I get to the calendar, I think I've got 90% off. And as it turns out, I've got, you know, 45% off. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know, did you forget some of these things? But, um, right. you know, once they said, well, it doesn't exactly work that way. And, and they necess couldn't necessarily describe it either. <laughs> um, I just kind of accepted the fact that I got a, still a decent <laughs> discount, but it didn't really quite make sense to me. But, but you know, of course, you're I've since figured it out, and, and your paper, of course, clarified it, <clears throat> that they, uh, a 20% discount and a second 20% discount is is really a 30, 36% discount, not a 40% right. discount. 
Okay, so 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 let's begin with cognitive effort and anchoring. So you say consumers are cognitive misers when it comes to evaluating stacking offers. Um, so as cognitive misers, how do they evaluate them? I, I, you know, you talked about the the addition versus multiplication. Um, a- anything else going on there? <clears throat> yeah. So so to the first point, I mean, I think we all experience this as shoppers. Uh, very infrequently, you know, as I mentioned before, are we walking down the grocery aisle or in Macy's calculator in hand, right, and, and tabulating our estimated or exactly tabulating our bill that we're expecting at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we instead we we use mental shortcuts and uh, and make estimates, and you know, usually that's good enough. And and even you know, back to the addition strategy of of adding two discounts. It is incorrect, but with just two, you're usually not off by too much, right? right you're right. you're off by a few percent, and that's good enough to to move forward, right? That that error of four percent uh, doesn't overwhelm uh, the effort it takes to calculate the correct percentage, right? Uh, total percentage of. And what the anchoring literature says is that uh, you know when you encounter multiple pieces of information such as percentages, uh, the first piece of information you you encounter, you anchor upon, right? And then subsequent information is integrated with that initial uh, assessment, right? So right. In, in the case where you see 25 and 15 together, right? As you're, you're looking at the, the ad or the promotion left to right, as, as most of us read, right? You see 25 and you make a, a small initial Evaluation, okay, the 25, that's pretty good. And then 15, uh, you know, is, is integrated into that, that initial assessment. And, you know, what we find is that people make sort of a overall just evaluation. Yeah, that seems pretty good. And if prompted to, to do so, right, they will form an estimate and, and either they add, as previous research has found, mm-hmm. or they use. Uh, sort of this weighted estimate where, you know, in the case I described, the 25% is weighed overweighted relative to the, the 15%. And uh, how that gets flipped around is when they're presented at different points of time, right? For instance, you know, you, you as you mentioned in the opening, you see a, a, a shirt is on sale and then you remember, oh, and I get 15% off because of my my card, right? Right. And in that case, that's more of a, a a sequential presentation. Or you visit a retailer's website, and there's a pop-up that says, you know, store-wide 20%. Then you actually go to the item you're interested in, and you see that that's 10% off uh, as well, right? Uh, stacked with that store-wide sale. And and in that case, the surprise of of either you know recalling the fact that I can get another discount with my card or seeing another discount and that, that surprise or, you know, just not expecting it shifts our attention to that second piece of information. And that now serves as the reference point or the anchor for our overall judgment of the, of the deal. So the, the order effects um, are important, right? Because, um, because of that anchoring phenomenon That's and, right. And, and there is a difference between simultaneous presentation versus sequential presentation. That's right. And so when I see them 
kind of both at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm still anchored on the first one, right? So if That's it's right. 25% plus 15%, um, then, then 25% really has kind of the, the greater magnitude effect. But if I see on one screen, um, 25%, and then on the next screen, I see the 15%, you're saying there is a kind of a surprise element that shifts my attention to the 15%. So now the 25% loses its anchoring power. Did I get that right? That's right. Yeah. And, and, and this is where the order, order comes into play, right? So in the, in the first example, you want your bigger discount to come first when they're simultaneous, right? Because you want people to wait the, the bigger discount more because that's going to give you the largest overall impression of, of the deal. Um, but if, if you have to present sequentially or you want to present sequentially, the bigger discount should come second, right? Because yeah. that's, that's going to increase the overall impression of the deal. And, you know, you might, it might be a structural issue where you, you have to present sequentially or you have to present simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this informs what you should do. And, or it could be a choice as well. And, you know, I, I think the one thing that maybe some of your listeners are thinking, well, you know, if I have a small initial uh, uh, discount, right, will they, what if they don't click through, right, if it's not attractive enough? And I think that might be one one concern in implementing this is not making your, your small, your initial discount, you know, Two percent, because people might not think that's uh, worth their time, and won't ever see the second discount. That's actually a really important build about the the magnitude of the dis- discount in a sequentially structured stacking promotion. Is ha- having it large enough so that they kind of move to the next screen and and, and get right. the yeah get the payoff. So in a so it sounds like in in a simultaneous presentation, you want to lead with the large. Uh, followed by the small, right. and in the sequential, you want to lead with the small, um, but but as you just mentioned, with a large enough magnitude to to engage them, and then um, and then the, the second one would be the larger, so that you've now introduced the element of surprise and and shifted the attention. That's right. So I'm, I'm I, I was intrigued by this element of surprise. Is there value created by the surprise itself? In other words. If you ordered a stack promotion of say twenty percent plus twenty percent, so so there's no difference mm-hmm. in in the magnitude of the of the discount, um, and you did so simultaneously, um, and that same promotion sequentially, would more consumers purchase the sequentially presented promotion because there's an added element of surprise which generates positive affect, or is surprise right. purely about where attention is placed? In our studies and, and the measures that we used, uh, we didn't see any bump in the evaluation of the deal overall, right? Okay. Um, but as you, as you mentioned, it, surprise should induce some, some positive affect that might transfer to, to the deal in some other way, uh, but we didn't, we didn't measure that in our studies. It is surprising. We did see that people were surprised uh, but we didn't we didn't measure anything beyond uh, the deal evaluation measures that we were we were using throughout the the paper. Uh, yeah, that that might be um, interesting for future research. You know, just wondering: Am I better off as a marketer presenting my stack promotion sequentially or simultaneously? All things, all other things held constant. 
You know, if it's if it's right. purely one or the other. Of course, you know now you're locked into a identical discounts um, in my stack. So it's kind of a right. a, a, a thin slice opportunity, but um, um, nonetheless, it just it got my curiosity. So so let's say um, let's say you were a marketer and you wanted to use stacking, but you wanted to be careful to strike a balance between profitability. You know, not not mm-hmm. not discounting excessively. Um, and, and balancing that with shopper conversion or getting the most shoppers to take advantage of your offer. How would you think about structuring your deal to strike that balance? Well, first of all, you know, as I mentioned before, consumers do prefer uh, stack discounts to a, a single equivalent discount, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, it might be an issue of calibration where if you say we're willing to offer 20% off overall, right, and, and just testing on, you know, a small group of consumers or field testing or however you might want to go about it, um, you know, how could I get two smaller discounts, you know, is a 15% followed by a 5% uh, or maybe a 4% or 12 and 8 or something like that, uh, is that going to give me an evaluative um, bump in, relative to just the 20%? And I would say, again, um, in my mind anyway, the, the simultaneous presentation has the fewest uh, sort of structural barriers, like we mentioned before, mm. right? You know, right. Uh, especially, and I think, too, the difference is, are we talking online or brick and mortar, right? So a uh, sequential presentation, I think, lends itself more to online shopping, uh-huh. Uh, just because you you can present the two discounts closer together in, in time and space, right? As I as I mentioned before, you you open uh, the the web page for the the retailer. There's a pop up ad that has one discount, and then as you search for uh, the product you're looking for, you see another discount, right? And that's pretty close in in time. Uh, but in brick and mortar, right, that becomes a little more difficult. Unless you have a sign out front, right? And then there's signage on the, say, the rack with shirts on it or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that's a that's a longer time, uh, you know, between seeing the two stimuli. So, you know, we're not really sure, you know, that that's not something we investigated in terms of how much time can elapse before uh, the effect goes away, right? And that's that's an open question. But the simultaneous, right, is is much easier across the board, and especially in brick and mortar or a physical, uh, you know, coupon in the mail or a, an ad or anything else, right? You can easily do that. It's just a little bit harder to implement a sequential. That's a really good point. And, and as you pointed out before, there are potential risks with the sequential um, in, in not giving them enough of an incentive to ultimately find out what the second uh, part of the stack is. Right. You mentioned there's a, a temporal element to this, and I, I was thinking it's, it's a little bit counterintuitive that on the sequential stack, that attention shifts to the second um, versus the simultaneous, where the the anchoring um, you know is is fixated on the first, because in the first sequentially, you know, I'm, it's it's microseconds or milliseconds. Uh, between right. I'm seeing the first and the second, yet the anchoring is so powerful it, it keeps my you know implicit attention focused on the first. Um, whereas in the sequential, um, 
there's a lot more time that elapses between the exposure to the first and the second. And, and one would think intuitively that that time is going to allow that first discount to kind of set in and, and really be galvanized in my thinking so that by the time I get to the second, it's going to take, you know, a pretty powerful something in order to, to, you know, focus my attention on something different. Um, yet that's not what's happening. In fact, it's, uh, it's the opposite is happening. You think about how, uh, people are, you know, evaluating these things, um, you know, A, it's it's the first discount you see. It's like, oh, that's pretty good, right? I'm, I'm getting a discount. And then when you encounter another one in a sequential mode, it's like, oh, wait, wow. Okay, there's actually another one. This one's 15. Wait, what was the last one, right? And and, and now you're saying, okay, I've, I, I'm getting 15 and I saw it before, right? Mm-hmm. That, that seems like a good deal. So I, I think, I mean, I think you're right. It is It is a little counterintuitive. But if you were to put yourself in that position of, of like, okay, how, how, if I saw this deal, how would I evaluate it myself? You know, and you, you say, oh, I, I'm getting another discount, right? Now you're focusing on that, and and you have to sort of bring that previous discount uh, back into the fold, right? yeah, and back into your evaluation. Well, I, I think that you know your word choice of surprise. Um, is a good word choice because I, I think that essentially explains it, right? There, it's more than just um, two offers, um, and and there is right. this, this added element of surprise, which 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 has this attention focusing um, yeah. effect to it. That's really interesting. I should say too, it's not that consumers don't find stack discounts in a simultaneous presentation unsurprising. Uh-huh. Right. There is a, a level of surprise there too. Like, Oh wow, I'm getting two discounts. That's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but the sequential presentation just raises the level of surprise even further. Right. So it's, it's, I don't want the readers to think like, Oh, n- nobody's surprised by stack discounts. Why are we even doing it? Right. Right. There is a level of surprise, but it's just higher in sequential. The prior question about what would you do or how would you think about structuring your deal, uh, I'm going to flip that upside down. You know, same situation, you're a marketer. What would you not do when stacking? Now, you, you already mentioned that, uh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't in a sequential stack, I wouldn't begin with, with an offer that's too low, that's, that's just not attractive right. enough to, to motivate someone to keep going. Um, and anything else uh, that you discovered or just you, you might uh, speculate would be a bad thing to do? I'm not sure about bad, but there are limits to what we investigated, right? For, so for instance, if you stacked two, and this is an extreme case, right? You stack two 50% discounts, um, right? That's 75% off total, but nobody's going to think, oh, I'm getting this for free, right? Initially, <laughs> I'm getting 50% <laughs> off twice. Right. And, and so in that case, when is raised to the level of, of awareness. Oh, I can't just, I'm not getting it for free. How is this going to work? Right. People will start thinking through it and you know, the deals might not uh, seem as attractive as, as you had hoped, but that's an extreme case. I don't think too many retailers are giving to 50% off uh, discounts that up. <laughs> right. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, you know, maybe tests a smaller set of discounts, and you you might be surprised to find that you're you're getting the same uh, level of evaluative boost right with with smaller discounts yeah uh, than you than you are with larger ones right so just 
the caution of leaving money on the table when you don't really need to. But, but beyond that, I think I think it's the the implementation of of the sequential, as mentioned before, right? Not having that initial uh, discount so low that that it's not interesting enough for them to actually see the second one and be surprised. It sounds like um, that the you know the main reason you might do a sequential discount is when you kind of have to. Um, yeah. Right. Versus versus it would it would be a a wise choice to do so. Um, because of that surprise effect. Right. Yeah. H- how do these, I was, I was wondering as I was reading the paper, how do these effects come into play when using something other than stacked percentages? So, you know, for example, how might choppers process an offer like uh, 20% off plus free shipping? Right. Yeah, there's actually a lot of interesting uh, w- ways to think through this. And the other two uh if you want to just stay within percentages, you know, we look at taxes and surcharges, right? So mm. percentage increases. And uh, here too, you know, if you're offering, say, a product that can be uh, customized, right? Or you can add on things for a certain percentage of the base price. Or, you know, you have state and local taxes and, and other sorts of taxes that are a percentage, uh, how you present that information or even how you print it off on your receipt might make people feel less bad about the increases, right? Mm-hmm. You know, using this, the same framework. Um, and then too, I think it's what you mentioned is interesting. We thought about uh, looking at, you know, it just makes the, the paper too big. How might you think that um, anchoring might work on a, uh, or, or maybe it's not about anchoring, maybe it's just about processing. Like, like what, mm-hmm. what is higher value to a shopper, kind of, kind of the, the immediate reaction of 10% versus $10 off? Is, is, is right. $10 more appealing because, you know, it's, it's hard dollars um, or, temp, you know, because, you know, 10% off a $200 price um, versus $10 off a $200 price. Obviously, there's a, right. there's a 2x of, uh, difference. Um, right. But I don't know if, if any of your work had um, kind of uncovered how people might react to a dollars versus percent. So I think there's actually two two ways to think about it. One is that the dollars off is easier to process in general, right? Mm-hmm. Except in the you know ten percent off a hundred dollars is fairly easy, right? But sure. if if you have some price that isn't nice and round like a hundred dollars, then the percentage off becomes harder to calculate, but ten dollars is, is pretty straightforward. So I think uh, people would tend to prefer the the ten dollars off. However, uh, there's a paper that we cite um, that looks at the effects of dollars off or cents off versus percent, and you know there's always this looming issue with with discounting in that it sort of re- resets people's reference price for that product, right? So um, you know, why am I going to pay 20% more next month, right, for the same product when I could just wait for it to be discounted again, right? That's not its true value. It's this lower amount. And this other paper finds that percentage off doesn't sort of reset people's uh, reference prices in the same way that, or to the same extent that dollars off do, right? So there's this, um, while it might be easier for people to process, you know, they see that, $10 coupon of a hundred dollar item. And, you know, going forward, that's now a $90 item in their mind. 
isn't that interesting? Yeah. Whereas the percentage discount doesn't have that that same effect, right? Yeah, no, and maybe that's how jewelry stores get away with always having everything seventy five percent off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's I guess maybe not really resetting or recalibrating their reference price, and so each week it's like, hey, you know, it's seventy five percent off these these very high prices. Um, right. But these high prices always remain high prices, and then um, people don't people always. You know they retain that value, and 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 the discounts are just discounts. So there's a lot, um, a lot. I mean, this is a fun paper to read because there's a lot in it that that is just interesting, and we can just reflect back on our own personal experiences um, as as we're doing our own shopping. And so so we really enjoyed it. And I'm I'm curious what learning or discovery was most interesting to you as as you went through this. So there were uh, a couple of things, uh, really. Um, that were, were interesting to me. Uh, one is that it seems like it's a really general effect. You know, we're talking about pricing and how people think about prices, but in the, in the appendix of the paper, we also look at things like, you know, two improvements to your home, right? Each of which improves the, the efficiency of your, your home overall by a certain percentage. And we see the same pattern of effects for percentage increases in, home heating efficiency, right, that we see for pricing. Or there's also another study that looks at health risk, right, or, well, it's it's basically like you're traveling to a country where there's malaria, and here are a set of steps, each of which reduces your risk of, of uh, contracting malaria by a certain percentage. And how that information uh, is processed, right, in the same way with presentation mode and, and order, Right leads to the same change in in effects of how uh, you know how much does this reduce your chance of contracting malaria? How much does this improve uh, your your home's uh, heating efficiency? And and really, it comes down to the fact that it's a math error, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that people are making. And so you know when you encounter multiple percentages in in a, in a lot of different domains. Uh, your overall assessment of, of whatever's changing, right, uh, can be influenced by uh, these same uh, presentation mode and, and ordering of uh, <clears throat> manipulations. And, you know, furthermore, right, when you have two percentages that are different, right, they have to be presented at an order and they have to be presented either simultaneously or sequentially. So, you know, really these are things that, you can escape in terms of when you're thinking about presenting two piece, two two percentages. So was was anything um, kind of going back to surprise? The element of surprise was. Were there any surprises um, that you encountered as you as you went through your? I think you did eleven studies as part of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the the other things that were surprising uh, were that it works in the same way for increases and decreases. Um, but you know, upon reflection, maybe that isn't as surprising, right? But again, it is a math error. And, um, what also is nice is that it, it does seem to work for both people's evaluations or their overall assessment of a deal. But again, when you actually prod them to, uh, to estimate, right? Like you, you say 25 and 15% off, right? What is that? What's the total discount? Right, you get people 
that say 40, just like the prior research research has found, but then the people that don't just add, you know, their estimates uh, have that same pattern where large first and the simultaneous leads to larger evaluations and large later and sequential leads to larger estimates of the overall discount. Um, Which is consistent with how anchoring works um, generally, that's right. right? Yeah. It, yeah. That's right. Wow. So whether or not they're doing math, it, it kind of gets the same result. That's right. So this is, it's a very interesting area. Um, other than reading your paper, are there any books or, or other papers that you might recommend to people who want to learn more about um, anchoring and surprise and, 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 and stack promotions and, and, you know, order effects? Yeah, there's a few, uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned a couple of them. There's the, um, the Zoomdar in June paper, which says that two uh, people prefer two discounts to one, uh, the paper, that shows that people tend to just add two discounts is Chen and Rao. And the title is when two plus two is not equal to four errors in processing multiple percentage changes. There's another uh, paper that's uh, also Chen and Rao. And then also two former colleagues of mine uh, when I was at the university of Miami uh, that looks at uh, it's titled when more is less base value neglect and consumer preference for changes in price and quantity, right? And what they look at is the difference between a 20% increase in quantity, so a bonus pack, right? If you uh, you add 20% to the, the size of your package and that's the deal mm-hmm. versus uh, a 20% off price, right? So a price discount versus a quantity in- increase. Mm. And, uh, People are really bad at, at figuring out that, right? So they just focus on, you know, a 20% increase, but that might actually not be that much of a deal in terms of your uh, unit pricing, right? Your price per ounce, for for instance. Uh, but they think it's a great deal because it's 20%. Right. Uh, and they might even think it's a better deal than 15% off the price, even if that is a better deal. Like you're you're getting a better price per ounce, for instance, in that in that frame. And I think that's interesting too, right? For the same reason we were talking earlier about price discounts leading to changes in reference prices for consumers. That's not the case when you, you make a bigger package, right? Really? So, so when you have those 20% bonus size packages, you're saying that doesn't have a reference price effect? Not, not to the same degree as a price discount, right? Okay, that's interesting. And now it may have a volumetric, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because um, that—that's you know—that becomes. I now look for those bottles of vitamins with that yellow band around, along the top, saying you know twenty percent bonus pack, and um, it's it's very effective. I I agree, and I I I can appreciate the literature that that talks to its power. But now I've become immediately accustomed to. All right, well, this is this is now my new choice. I'm looking for that specific bottle that has the yellow band on top. Right, right. It, but at the same time, too, if you look at package size over time, right? Yeah. Uh, they they decrease slowly, right? Yes. Just sort of beyond perception. You know, I, I remember the first time I went to buy a quart of orange juice and it said 59 ounces, or sorry, a half gallon, and it said 59 ounces, uh, and I always thought it was 64 ounces. <laughs> 
but slowly over time, right, the 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 packages got smaller, right, and to the point where, uh, you know, I remember seeing a package that said, actually, this is what happened. It was a, a half gallon of orange juice that said still sixty four ounces. Hasn't that always been the case? So the, it's funny you mentioned that the. Uh, an extreme example of that is, you know, if you ever do do-it-yourself projects and go into Home Depot and buy lumber, uh, maybe there's a good reason for this um, and, and a practical reason and an important reason. But from my perspective, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm being uh, lied to. You know, you buy this, uh, you know, the, the standard within um, within lumber is that everything is shorter than than it's described as. So uh, yeah, uh, maybe it doesn't apply to two by fours, but I'll pretend it does. You buy a two by four, it's it's actually kind of like a one and three quarter by a three and three quarter. There's always this this right. little bit you're not getting, even though it's described that way. So I'm thinking, how can these people get away with this? Um, yeah, but, I, actually, uh, I actually do know why that is. But oh, oh, please share, please share. Yeah. So when you when you this is from growing up in Maine. I'm glad I mentioned that earlier. So <laughs> I have a little bit of experience with tree felling and lumber. The um, when you you cut the board right at the sawmill, it is two by four, and then it has to dry, and then you mill the board right to give it that smooth fit finish, right. and you you lose uh, an eighth of an inch or something like that on on each each edge, right? Okay. But yeah, yeah. All right, but that's <laughs> that's why package goods you say that. that's that's why package goods say net weight. <laughs> All right, so I, all right, right, I, right, I, I understand right. you have to cook the soup before you put it in the can, but I want the weight of the soup after it's cooked, <laughs> not before right. the cooking process begins. Um, but but thank you for explaining that because that's uh, that's always uh, it's always been a curiosity for me. Um, yeah. So so I'm, you know, I'm great on a trivial pursuit. <laughs> so so finally, what else are you working on that that we can look forward to? You mentioned you know some of the work uh, that you've done. And, uh, and that's, I think, itemized on your CV. But a- anything that you're currently working on or plan to work on, anything shopper-related? You know, when you go to Starbucks and if you buy 10 coffees, you know, you get the 11th free. Right. Right. Uh, so, but if you buy nine, you don't get a discount. Right. You really have to buy, but you have to get to that 10th one. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an all-or-nothing all proposition. Yeah. Either you buy... Um, all 10 and you get a discount or you don't get anything. Right. Right. Versus, you know, you can structure things like that. Well, what if you buy a coffee, you know, you know, time one, you buy a coffee and <clears throat> your loyalty reward gives you a 10% discount on the next coffee. Right. And you get that one and that gives you a 10% discount on the next coffee, so on and so forth. So that's kind of like an, as you go proposition, as you keep buying, you, you keep getting rewards and just looking at how people view those two different uh, loyalty reward schemes uh, or programs differently, uh, and also how how they progress through it, right? If you're trying to accrue points um, to get a free flight, right? Uh, do you do that faster or slower if you have to get 12,000 points to get a free flight versus you know, whatever you spend in that time translates to some points and that equals a discount off of your, your flight, which may or may not be the full price. It just depends on, on how much you do. Right. Uh, and I think there are some, some 
definitely perceptual differences, but more interesting uh, to me is is how quickly people accrue points or or progress through those different types of programs. Yeah, what a clever question. An alternative hasn't really entered my mind, other other than an example that I've that I've seen, which plays on the endowment effect. Where um, mm. I think the example is car washes, right? So you get. Uh, you know, 10 car washes and then you get the 11th one free and they give you a card punch. Um, and when they give you the, the, you know, the card, um, which has, you know, the 10 little circles, uh, two of them are already punched. So, oh, right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, very effective and, and, and very clever. Um, and I think yours is, yours is a really, really interesting one because, uh, yeah. You know, again, it's not all or nothing. Um, I get something with each one. Are you also thinking of doing, um, like maybe on the 10 cup of coffee example, my 11th one, I get a 2% discount. My, or, or my second one, I get a 2% discount. My third one, I get a 3% so that the incentive oh, that's in, interesting. increases with each one. So it kind of gives me oh. some motivation to, to work even harder, right? Cause you've got kind of goal. Uh, there's a probably better term for this, but goal theory that says, as people get closer to achieving their goals, they're, they're going right. to yeah. work harder toward it. Gold gra- um, it's called gold gradient. Yeah. Gold gradient. And so, um, you know, in, in any case, I guess, regardless of how you're going to structure that as people get to eight and nine, they're going to, you know, be really eager to get, get to the end. But, um, but I think yeah, that's really interesting. I haven't thought about that. That's, I don't know. Maybe you, maybe we need to try that. All right. So, <laughs> well, you're, you're not, you're, you're not shy about adding experiments to your studies. Um, <laughs> which is great. I mean, I always admire that because I think it, it, it just really brings credibility to it. And, um, and, and just, just really is a great demonstration of the academic discipline of, of, you know, breaking things down to their individual components to make sure that you don't have any interactive effects that may be, you know, um, really, really what's explaining something right. versus kind of, no, the, the, I, I need to isolate the thing that really is having the effect. So, um, I, I, I admire and, and appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well with that, Derek, thank you very much. This has been fun and, um, I'll, I'll certainly be less intimidated when I get to Macy's and, um, I'll be interested <laughs> to evaluate the, uh, the offers that, that are presented before me. Um, mm. so before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Anything we didn't talk about, um, relating to this topic that we should have? You know, I think we we really covered it, and I would just leave it with uh, take your calculator with you the next time you go shopping. <laughs> Thankfully, there's an app for that. That's right. <laughs> so again, nice nice talk with you, and uh, we'll be sure to follow your future work. Perhaps we've got a another uh, podcast in our future. Sure, that would be great. All right, we'll talk Thanks, to you soon. Sure it's thing. Been, it's been fun. Great. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I'd like to give a special thanks to Decision Breakers for making today's episode possible. We'll see you next time on Shoppernomics.